Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Let's go to Hebrews chapter one. I'm going to talk to you, excuse me. I'm going to talk to you quickly if I can do that. Uh, I'm looking at the clock here. So I've just been talking a minute and a half. So I'm going to probably talk about 30 minutes and just give some highlights here about angels. And I wanted to make this clear. I didn't say this before, but I've Lord prompted me to say, I was sitting at the kitchen table. I think it was this afternoon. I had a busy, busy day today, but anyway, uh, you know, you sometimes just have to go to the bank or do this or do that, and you've got different things you need to take care of as a human. Right. And uh, I told Jordan, I feel sorry for you. I'm trying to be your mom and dad, and I can't do both. <laughs> but we're trying to take care of him. But anyway, praise the Lord. So uh, I wanted to read something to you, though. Oh, the angel said to me when I was sitting at the kitchen table, said, we're going to work with you tonight. So you may have already gotten something when you got in the prayer line up here, <clears throat> or you may get touched while I'm preaching. That's all right with me. Is it okay with you? Yes. If you needed something, they could bring it. Yes. I'm not saying they're going to, but I, I, they have many times before, but they said, we're going to work with you. So I haven't seen them yet, but that I don't have to see them to know they're here. Cause I, okay. And I, I gave them all permission to come there. <laughs> yeah, I like them. I like them. I'm not making fun, but you know, I'm in authority there. They're servants to me and they're servants to you. So what I want to do is I want to read this prophecy part of it from Brother Hagen that he gave in 88. And then I'm going to talk to you about personal angels for a few minutes. Then I want to talk to you about angels that are assigned to churches because we've got a lot of preachers here. And the pastor's the one that's going to have to speak to them. You know, angels respond to words. They don't respond to cussing. They don't respond to meanness. They don't respond. And if you're in strife, they, they, you're going to have a hard time getting them to do anything. I, I've found that out in the Bible. It told about an angel who said that they had their head covered back over here somewhere in the new covenant. But the real issue was they were not in submission. They were out of control. Lord said to me, the angels won't work when people are out of control because they could have made some corrections to get that in order. What I'm saying is if your life is chaotic, you're going to have a hard time getting them to function with you, but you straighten up, ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you not be so chaotic. You might have to lob big things out of your life. I don't know, maybe TV or a relative. You have to love them, you know, but you don't have to run around with them. Sometimes they're going to be squirrely. Yeah, I mean that. So you just can't do that sometimes. It's just, you can be loving and kind, do what you can for them, but some people are just never going to get it. I hate to tell you that. They just, they're not willing to do what it takes to get it. So I'm not trying to dis, disillusion you. I'm trying to help you. Because I know you think it's a perfect world if you know Jesus. That's not true either. It could be a perfect world for you in this rotten planet. But you're not going to stop everything for everybody. You're just not going to do that. Because people have to be responsible for their own life to some level. And when you're young and dumb and immature, some of us that are older and more skilled, we could help you. But we can't carry you forever. You can't even get your husband and wife sometimes straightened out just because you know what to do. You know, they have to make decisions too. 
You're not going to say a lot more things. I can feel you're kind of putting a break on me a little. So. We got a lot of squirrely ideas in the church. Are you bragging? I, yeah, I'm not bragging about it. I'm pathetic to think that people get like that. And they don't have any sense at all sometimes. But I do. I have some sense, and I've walked in this for 50 years this month, but 50 years being saved. Of course, it took me a long time. Let me say something else before I get started. If I talk about this like it's casual, it's only because I'm familiar with the subject matter. And so that's just me. So I'm not disregarding their authority and all that, but you got to realize that you're in control of them. They're not in control of you. I mean, let's just face it. If, if they did everything they were programmed to do, we'd never have any incidents in the body of Christ. Just listen to what I'm saying. God charges them, but you have to say what is in them that God put in them, which is based on this. And if you don't say this, they're not going to do it. <laughs> okay. And they don't come and have tea with me and silliness, stuff like that either. But I'm just talking to you. Lord, I ask you to turn Hebrews. Let me, let me read this little part of this prophecy here. He had three angels visit him. Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, he's in heaven now, went home 2003. I think he was 87, if I'm not mistaken. But this happened in 1988, so it's a little way back. He says, men and women equipped with the power of God and the Holy Ghost, they will learn to walk in the Spirit, talking about us. He said they have to learn to walk in the Spirit, so it's not an instantaneous thing just because you pray in tongues or just because you go to a word church. I, would, I like to say this anymore. You're not a word person just because you go to a word church. Who told you that? No, you're going to be a word person because you're committed to this beyond anything else in your life. Then you're a word person. But you're not a word person by osmosis just because you hang around a word church. It's kind of misleading sometimes, I think, people. They learn to join forces. That's us. We could learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. And the angels will come and minister unto them, like they have me and like that little boy that couldn't breathe right, or the lady that was, had this bad car accident and I was in Nashville. I named five things wrong with her. I had a vision in the daytime. I'm not having visions every day, but down at the Lowe's Hotel, I was praying for the meeting and I saw this automobile accident. I didn't know if it was male or female. It was human. I knew that. And then he brought it back to me while I was preaching that night. And I said, well, you must be here. I don't know who you are. You were in a car accident. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This and five things. Who is that lady over here raised her hand. I think she was just startled because she went, well, well, well. <laughs> and we all kind of looked at her. We thought she was a stutterer, but I think she just caught off guard. She said, and I said to her, well, lady, is that, was that accurate? What I said? Yeah. Pastor Keith, you were there. It was your church. You and Cynthia. And I don't know who else was there of this group. Pastor Randy, you were there. And so I said, well, could you come up here and let me lay hands on you? Because I don't know if she even understands that. I don't want to scare her. I said, God normally uses me to put hands on people to get them healed. And so she came up and she stood about six or eight feet away from me. So I went back over this again. I'm going to come over. That's what I said. I'm going to lay hands on her head because some of the injuries were in other places of her body. And I knew that. So I didn't want her to get freaked out. I said, I'm going to come over and lay hands on your head. And the power will go into you and it'll straighten all, out all those issues. So I went like this and the Lord said, stop. <laughs> I always say, so you want to be a faith person? Let me tell you what happened. Step back. He said, one of the angels working with you in the healing ministry is going to handle that personally. Tell her I said that. 
I said, well, lady, there's nothing wrong with you about me not laying hands on you. But God said, one of the angels that work with me in the healing ministry, he's going to take care of this personally. So lift your hands up. And I'd like to say she was not a Chinese gymnast. She was not thin, nor was she in shape. <laughs> you know how those Chinese people can put their head around their leg and go, she couldn't, she couldn't do that. So she lifted her hands, but what happened? She kept going back until her head was down where her rear end was. Were you in that meeting? I mean, it, I mean, you know, it almost makes you want to look at her and cringe like something's going to snap. Your back's not made to go that far down. But this angel had a hold of her, and he brought her up slowly, and then he turned her one way real far. I don't want to have to go to chiropractor. And the other, true story. Then she put her hands up again, and he picked her up on her tiptoes like a ballerina and just very gently set her back down. I think it, all, it probably took maybe a minute and a half. We just stood there and watched. Nobody could have done that without help supernaturally because you would have hit the floor with your head in a second or two. You're not created to be like that. But he was fixing stuff. And she was totally healed. So they minister with us. They minister to us. And they will come and minister with us, it says here in the, in the prophecy. It's just a powerful prophecy. So I want to talk to you at Hebrews 1. Let's look at this a minute. Hebrews 1 verse 14 is talking about angels here. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation? So we see that all the angels have a job assignment, you know, to minister. There's not like there's, well, how do I want to say this? Every angel could be different. I've seen several of them that look different. Some of them were flying. Some of them didn't have wings at all when I saw them. Most of them talked to me. I was just right in this building here back in 99. And I was, we were taking up a special offering to get caught up on an offer. Was it 40000 I was standing here worshiping God. had my eyes closed. So those people up there thought I was right here. And behind me, you don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I just came out of my body. The Lord just pulled me out of my body and said, walk over. And I'd look back. There I stood like that. But the angel had me on one side and the other. They keep my heart running, my lungs working. You know, because what's the Bible say? The body without the spirit is dead. I didn't fall over. I was standing erect. I went over here and there was a, like, where the office, not quite that far away, but there was a door. It wasn't a door there. It was black inside there. And the Lord said to me, step over that threshold. When I came to my senses after getting out of my body, it was a th and I went like that. My foot hit the inside of it. It all lit up the whole big room. It wasn't that room. It was the room he put me in. And there's a big old angel here. He looked like a bodybuilder. I'm not kidding you. You know that guy from Samoa? The Rock? Is that him? He looked like him. Didn't look like him in the face, but he was really muscular. He said, Michael. He knew my name. They always called me by my first name. You're, you're coming into a new room. You'll have to learn to be skillful with the equipment in this new room. I looked and all I saw was a bunch of things covered up with those black claws. Like you put on a piano to keep the dust out. Now don't ask me why it had claws on. I don't know. I was going to have to pray and figure all that out. I mean, you'd like to God give you a manual. <laughs> but he didn't. But I found out what was in there shortly thereafter. And then I let it stop for a while because I wasn't paying attention. That happened in October 31st, 1999. And I went with it for a while, and then I just let it stop. I wasn't seeking the Lord about that room anymore for a couple months. And finally, he broke in on me when I was praying about January. He said, and he said it like this, Michael, are you ever going to pay attention about that room or just let it flop? 
he was kind of ticked off at me. I said, Father, I am so sorry. I started crying like a little baby. I said, Father, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I would let that slip. But I did, and I apologized for it. And so I began to pray, and within the next six or eight months, he showed me about the anointing in my hands getting stronger. He told me God was going to take care of me financially in a, in a brand new way beyond anything I'd ever thought of. And, and then he told me something else. I don't remember what it was right now, but anyway, are you listening? And you know, that was what was that 99? What, how many years ago has that been? 20 some years? See, I'm trying to help you see something. I know you, you think you would have remembered all that and just prayed it out, but maybe you would have. I don't know. I just know me. I was slow to catch on. But what I wanted to say really was sometimes it takes time to get you in a position where you could receive what he's trying to show you. Or you're just not mature enough to deal with it yet, and it takes time for you to get there. But if you're honest and sincere, he will show you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. So all the angels have a job description when it says, are they not all ministering spirits? And this is why when I had the vision of 83... 83, I was teaching a, a three-night seminar on angels. I mean, I'm looking back thinking, boy, that's probably pathetic. But I guess it was more than most people knew even back then. I'd only been studying them for three years. Right. Started studying on angels in 80, started studying on devils in 78. Because I lived in Otisco. <laughs> no, I'm not making fun of anybody that lives out there. Listen to me. I mean, I was just a new, I was a new creature, and I just got spirit-filled in May two weeks before I graduated from Southern, a Southern Baptist seminary. They don't teach that. So I left the denomination after a while because I don't want to fight with everybody about it. The devil said, I'll put you in a nice church if you just shut up about it. And I said to the Lord, because I got confronted by the doctors of that day and they put me in a room. They wanted to challenge me about everything. We heard you pray for the sick now. I sure do. We heard you speak in tongues. I sure do. What makes you think you can do that? But I wasn't a stupid guy. Maybe I wasn't the sharpest tool. I had the Baptist faith and message, which is in print. It tells you what we believe. I said, with your permission, gentlemen, there's three men in that room and me. Let me read page 47. We believe in the Holy Spirit and his gifts. That's all I'm telling you. I've operated in some of those gifts. So why should I apologize? We said we believed it. He said, well, we didn't mean it that way. I said, then you shouldn't have wrote it. And one guy, he was so cocky. He said, you're just a young whippersnapper. You need to go back to school and get some education. You're ignorant. And when we got ready to depart, I said to the guy that was such a smart guy, I said, I don't know what your deal is, but you're going to have to answer for the way you've treated me today. I didn't do anything to ask to come here. You asked me to come to ball me out and change my thinking, move me around, whatever your deal is. But you had no right to condescend to me like that. And you're in trouble. Yeah. And you know what? He, he got in some big trouble and lost his church. Had a big church in Louisville. I won't mention what the name is. It's still a big church. I don't think they believe much, but it's a big church. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so when I'm leaving, walking down this long hall after they scolded me and ridiculed me and made me seem like I was an idiot, the devil said, Michael, if you just shut up about that, I'll put you in a decent parsonage, get you a nice sized church. So I said, I'm not interested. And I said, Lord, what are you going to do? I'd already said that. Yeah. Did you say I sure did? I talked straight to him. He talked straight to me. 
I'm not bossing him around, but I just said, well, what are you going to do if I do what you tell me to do? He said, I'm going to give you my power. And that's all I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to have my power. I was getting in my car. I slammed the door. I said, yes, sir. And he did. He gave me his power. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These angels all have assignments. Oh, I was going to tell you about the vision of 83. I'm in the basement praying in this church, going to do a three-day seminar on angels. And all of a sudden, I'm on my knees in this little radio where they did radio broadcasts, soundproof room. All of a sudden, I came out of my body, kind of like that other time I just mentioned. And I went somewhere else. But this is just a little, almost a lot, just a little bit bigger than a closet. And I ended up in a big room, a lot bigger than this sanctuary. Maybe three or four times as big as this. And it was filled with angels. I mean, you know, you know, talk about being apprehended. I was apprehended. I didn't know what, I didn't know what happened. And again, the angel in the front of the line, I'm in the vision. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at them all. But he said, Michael, we're excited you're teaching about us. I'll turn to you. This is the angel speaking to me. Michael, we're all excited you're teaching about us for we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. Then I just jumped back in. My body went through my mouth like he put on a glove. That's all I can tell you. And then, of course, I'm back in my body. My body's functioning normal. Did you tell the people that night you saw that? Heavens, no. <laughs> I know, they don't, know they don't even know what I know, and I don't know anything about that. I mean, I'm just having a vision. Yes. It, it didn't scare me, but it was unusual to the place that I didn't want to mess it up. Amen. So I had to pray it out. But what I'm saying to you is they said, are they not all ministering spirit? And there was a, I don't know how to tell you this. There was a grievance in that angel's spirit. I'm calling it that. Like an irritation. And I mean, looking around that room that night, I thought, oh my gosh, these beings are tremendous. And all of them are lit up. Kind of lit up. That's all I can tell you. Different sizes, different, different kinds of angels. And I saw these, I would call them majestic creatures. And they wanted to help us and we're holding them back. Wow. Four months later, it dawned on me. I kept going over those last words and they won't let us. Then I saw something I'd never known before. We must have authority I don't know anything about. And I didn't know anything about it back then, but I've sure learned a lot. I've got authority over the spirit world, period. Demonic and angelic. And you need to realize you have authority. In both my books on angels and demons, I put a whole chapter in both books because if you believed everything else I wrote that's scriptural in my books, and it is scriptural or I wouldn't have wrote it, I put that chapter in there because if you don't know you have authority, it won't mean anything to you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just telling you what I know. <laughs> I'm not getting very quick in it, am I? Now, in this book here, the Passion Bible, the author has a footnote, and I thought it was excellent. He says here, the angels are glad to minister to us, for they see us in Christ. And if you'd asked me that, if that was real, I would say, yeah, that's a good statement. But I didn't write it. The guy that wrote this, wrote the translation, I think his name is Simmons. But the angels are glad to minister to us, for they see. So when they look at you... They know my name's Michael because everyone that's ever talked to me directly called me by my first name. 
But, and God does that too. But at the same time, we've got to begin to understand we have authority. See, if you don't take your authority seriously and sit down in your chair of authority, that's why I've been saying for 12 years to you, you're not a joint, you're a joint heir with Christ, not a, not a what? Sub heir. Thank you. I'm getting toasted, I think. <laughs> yeah. Now here in verse, let me tell you a little something here just to give you interesting. Verse 7 in Hebrews 1. And about his angels, he says, I make my angels swift winds and my ministers fiery flames. Talking about the angels there. Now, Brother Chester right here, raise your hand, Chester. This is a member of our church. He was standing right over there in that section uh, on a Sunday morning. I think Jordan was preaching, but I got up and said something at the end about angels. I think that's the way it went. And he told me later, he came up. He said, you know, he's had some back problems. When he first met you, you had a, a cane. And, you know, we'd prayed for him about that and stuff. But he said he had a, like a golf shirt on, you said, or something that was loose in the back. All, this wind went around his shirt and his back. And then his back got real hot. That's exactly what that says in Hebrews 1.7. Yes. And the, the pain left you or the symptoms you were having left you, you told me. I didn't touch him. He was over there. But sometimes they work with me like that and they'll start ministering to people. All right. Let's, let's just talk a little bit about this for a second here. Let's see where I want to go here with this. Let's, let's go back to uh, Genesis 48 and look back here a minute. Genesis 48. I'm talking about personal angels. I'm going to give you a couple examples. I don't have time to really preach it in its fullness and I'm already close to stopping. <laughs> I better pick it up a little. Uh, Genesis 48, and this is the man Jacob, or uh, they called him Israel, changed his name. You know, he wrestled with an angel. You remember that? And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now that right there should show you that man had authority over angels. And Hosea says something about that. Remember he said he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. See, there's just a lot we need to know. But here's a man that's old in age. He's getting ready to leave his body, go home. His son, I think it was Joseph. I, don't, I think that's right. It came with two of the grandsons. And it says in verse 14, And Israel, or Jacob, stretched out his right hand, laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. In other words, you always put your right hand on the firstborn in the Bible. What I mean is if they're passing things along and he crossed his hands and his son like, you're confused, dad. No, I'm not confused. Leave me alone. I'm, the Lord's guiding me in this. Because Manasseh pulled some stunts and disqualified himself. So, but this is the point I'm getting to. Look at verse 15. And he blessed Joseph. That's the father of these two grands, of these two, his grandsons, but Joseph was his son. And said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my long life unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. So we see here that he understood. I don't know if he understood in the beginning, but he's looking back on his life and he's had an angel that was assigned to him. He delivered me. See, that's personal. So you, you have a personal angel assigned to you. I, I, I just keep trying to drive this home. This is my watch, my tie, my suit, my Bible, my notes. Not somebody else's that belongs to me. And when God assigns an angel to you, he is your property. 
Now you're not going to talk foolishly and get him. He's not going to wash your truck, guys. He's not going to load your dishwashers, ladies. That's not what they're called to do. But boy, I'm telling you, if you're in trouble, they're the best thing you got. Yeah. I mean, people told me everywhere I preached that when I preached it in the beginning, they would tell me the most outlandish stories you could even fathom. Even at Trinity, there was a guy who came up to me after I taught on Angels Darrow. I don't remember his name. I don't remember what his name was. But he was divorced and he had property of his daughter part of the week and the mother had the rest of it. He put his daughter in the car. That's before seat belts. And somehow that door wasn't locked. They went around the curve. She slid right out in midair and he went, Jesus. And she just continued to slide around. No, she's preaching, not touching the ground. She's just sitting there, but she's flying in midair. And the angel puts her in gently and shuts the door. Yeah. I mean, they know how to take care of things. You know, just like me laying there and that angel got up with a bow. I never dreamed that was going to happen. But the Lord was teaching me that these kind of creatures exist, which I'd already seen some of them in the negative world before as a drug addict and also just as a believer. Some evil spirits. And they're evil looking and mean looking. Horrific looking, some of them. And I'm not like that lady on Good Morning America. I don't like to see somebody eat somebody's brain. How about that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Is she making a lot of money? She got status on that show, a lot of money to be there and have. See, you can't be, you'd be stupid, you're going to get in trouble. I don't want stuff that grieves my spirit. I mean, just the commercials for that show alone, man, I'm switching the channels. You know, a commercial would come on on another channel to tell you to watch it. And it's just as graphic as it could be. Yeah. Or two girls kissing. And some of the shows that come on at 7 and 8 o'clock at night. Now, I got grandbabies that, you know, I know Jessica protects them from that, but, you know, and uh, Jordan. But what I'm saying is, see, that's, that's our world we're living in. That's the culture. What I'm showing you is it said this angel helped him. And, it, of course, in Psalms 91, it says uh, you can have a long life because the angels are helping you. That's part of it. You need to be in God's will, too. You can't always live like for the devil and then run in and say, well, you might do that a few times when you're ignorant and young and immature and get away with it because God's very patient with us. Yeah. How many agree with that? Yes. I've made some bad decisions. I don't know about you. I'm just honest. I'm not going to tell you what they were, but I ran back to God and said, Father, forgive me. I'm not going to do that again because I really grieved my own spirit and his spirit too. What did he do? It's none of your business. I'm not asking you to share your dirty laundry with me. I'm just talking. But you can always get it straight if you have a heart to correct it. That's right. Amen. And God will work with you. <laughs> you know, I can't live like I used to live when I just started in the ministry, though. It's too much at stake now. I hope you're paying attention to me. Everybody wants to be real spiritual and real something. Well, there's, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to have the responsibility that I'm talking about goes with it. You get up and pray in the middle of the night if God wakes you up or you just go back to snoring. If he says, turn that show off, do you turn it off? Or you say, well, I'll turn it off in a minute. You don't even say that. You just leave it run. Oh. See, you got to, that's what Dennis was talking about. Right. Yes. Yeah, you got to guard yourself a little bit with stuff. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're right. Yes, sir. Yeah. I was thinking about a funny event. It wasn't funny at the time, but just it's when 9-11 happened and the NASA, not NASA people, what are they called? 
at the airports. TSA people, they're just ruthless sometimes and funny. But that, he asked this girl in front of me, and he wanted her to open the suitcase. She bent over like this. She had real loose jeans on. I saw all the way to Chicago. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to look for Chicago. <laughs> That's a true story. I had to go, wow. <clears throat> Sorry to be so real, but, and I didn't promote it and ask for it. Or I had to turn away. Shooting the moon, Jesus, my goodness. <laughs> so, so here, Jacob, he has an angel that said he's protected him his whole life long. Hallelujah. Let's, let's, go, let's go over here to Psalm 34 to see about a little bit of uh, conditions we must meet to, to have them function with us. I'm gonna, I've got it laid out here in this Bible somewhere too because, yeah, it's, it's a great translation. But I'll read the King James first. This verse came to me many years ago and I studied it out. It's about angels and what we need to do to qualify for angelic help. You didn't earn it, but yet there's things you have to live within the barriers of to get angelic help sometimes. In other words, you can't just live any way you want, talk any way you want, think anything you want, and it worked for you. This is why the renewing of the mind is so powerful and so necessary for all of us to think different. You listening to me? Think different about everything. And you're not going to do that in a day or a week, but you could do it as you put it a little at a time. But here in Psalm 34, 7, I'll read from the King James first and then read from the Passion. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, that fear the Lord, reverence God, and delivers them. So what we're saying is the angel, it's not the angel of the Lord like the angel of the Lord as a single person, single entity, because he says uh, they encamp around them. So that's more than one. That's them. That's us. And an angel can only be one place at one time. The Holy Ghost can be everywhere at the same time. Hope you're listening to me. Took me a long time to figure this out. But the angel assigned to you can encamp around about you if you reverence him. And I'll read what the Passion Bible, then we'll look at a couple other things here and I'm about done. I want to talk to the pastors though at the end for a few minutes. You wouldn't mind listening, would you? Okay. This is the Passion Bible. This is a great translation. I don't know how many of these I bought for people, probably 30 and gave them away to pastors. This is what he says. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed. See, when I'm talking and I'm praying at home, I, the angels are listening to me. They're here tonight with me listening to me. <laughs> the angel over this church is listening to me. I'm the original pastor, but Jordan, he's in charge of this now. But it says the angel of the Lord stooped down. Let's think of that. Stooped down to listen to him pray. And he does the same thing for you and I. If you watch it, I'm going to show you. He says, he, he encircled me. He encircled me. You could put a little dot on a piece of paper if you have one and then draw a circle all the way around it. You're the dot and the circle's the angels. And if you'll comply with this verse, then you'll have perfect protection. They encircle me. He encircled me. He empowered me. Man, and showing me how to escape. 
And he will do this for everyone who fears God. So it's not just for elect few or, you know, it's not just for the pastors or the prophets or just the people, all of God's people. You've had angels assigned to you. I I didn't have time to go to Matthew, show you that Jesus talked about it. And he had his personal angel here because he came the right way through the womb of a woman. That's the only legal entrance into this planet. Yeah. Okay. So let me talk to you about these words in this one verse here. It says to encamp and Webster means to encircle or surround. So when we're, when we're being sensitive to God and reverencing God, then the angel camps around about us, around our back and our front and takes good care of us. And then it says, uh, let me find this here. Uh, those who fear, the Hebrew word for fear is to worship, respect, and devotion to respect in word and action. So what he's saying is that's a person that loves God and he loves God's people and he loves God's word. You can't tell me you love God and don't love the Bible. That's, that doesn't float. Not just for me, but anybody's got common sense. If you love God, God is the word. This is him speaking to me, speaking to you. So when you say, it says worship, it doesn't mean that I'm just up front when Miss Jessica's up there or Amzy and I'm lifting my hands out of a sense of duty. If that's the only time I ever left my hands, it's pathetic. <laughs> I'm not really a worshiper. I'm just playing around with you. And I'm playing around with God. And I'm trying to help you see this. You're going to have to be a little dedicated here. That you worship God. You're in a mode to worship him. You love his word. You love his people. You love the things of God. You enjoy praying. And things like that. And it says to show respect in word or action. Now, this is an interesting word. I'm going to move on after this, but it says he delivers them. This word deliver in the Hebrew is a very unusual word. In the Hebrew, it was written in Hebrew originally, the original language, to escape wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, to deliver fully or to liberate. It means all that in that word. The Lord will come and deliver you wholly, completely, and liberates you from that situation. One of the most intense situations I ever found myself in, I think I'm going to tell it. You probably heard it. I lived in Otisco, and my neighbor had sold the house that I lived in, and it's called a parsonage. It was condemned when I moved out by the county. It was a dump. But they had bought it from him in the land with the, that the church was on. And uh, anyway, my wife and I were living there. No, no carpet in any rooms. I had to put little planks of wood under all my furniture because they all sat like this. If you put a glass on it, it's going to fall on the floor. I never complained. I was just thrilled to serve Jesus. This was my neighbor on my other side here. And one time I was sitting on my front porch with my dog and he was walking. There's no sidewalks walking down the pavement. And my dog started growling. <laughs> and I said, quit that, Shelly. And he said, if your dog ever comes to me, I'll kill it on the spot. That was my first encounter with him, so I knew he wasn't too friendly. <laughs> and uh, that was the first comment out of his mouth. And so, anyway, my, my mother-in-law felt sorry for me and Diana. We had to go to the coin laundry. That's like, that's like dysfunctionville somehow. I don't know what, how to tell you. <laughs> oh, my. And we did that because that's all we could do. We didn't have a washer and dryer. We were just young preachers, just barely making it. Yeah, the deacons were supposed to take the people that they'd let live in that house for two years, never paid the church a penny. 
And they were supposed to get them out when I drove up in the U-Haul truck. They were in there eating popcorn, watching TV. And the, the Dakins are out there walking around the circle like they're frustrated. I said, I thought you were going to get those people out. What are you doing? Well, I said, well, nothing. I'm going to knock the door. I went on in. I took the popcorn out of his hand, <laughs> set it on the coffee table, unplugged the TV, and I said, you're out. Get what you want right now. Put it on the front porch. Come back and get it later. Or I'll burn it. I don't care. Get your stuff and get out of my house. Yeah. Hello. Hey, that's agape, baby. In action. You don't think, you, I think some of you think I'm putting this on. I'm not putting on a bit of it. I'm going to tell you what happened. So my mother-in-law finally bought us, she loved us, a little washer and dryer. And one day Diana went to put a load in and started backing up in our kitchen. So I'm not a plumber. So I called the Roto-Rooter guy and he comes to the front door and he said, are you Mr. Jacob? Yes, sir. And I said, it stopped up. We, I took him in and showed him. He was running backwards. Of course, she turned the water, we turned the water off. And he got his pole out there. And he, and he hadn't been out there five minutes. He came back. Your neighbor lady just cussed me out. I said, is that right? <laughs> and there she was standing by. the. And he said, furthermore, she's put mud and dirt and rocks in your drain to back it up into your house. I wanted to whip her. But <laughs> hang on. So she's looking at me. She's all mean. <laughs> and about 50 feet away or 70 sat the, the guy that lived there that told me about my dog. He's got this big revolver hanging out of this back pocket. Not a 32 and a 22. Like his big six shooter. I mean, I, I mean, cause I had a gun at one time. I don't have him anymore, but you know, when I was a drug dealer, but I looked at him and he saw me and he jumped off off the porch. There's little two little cement steps and started running at me. And you know, I've been cussed out before, but he gets the prize for number one cussing out. I, he called me things I didn't have, I have to look up in the dictionary what it was. And he ran, he was running. He got right up about this far away from me, put his fist back, said, I'll break your nose. Well, he's kissed old got his gun. Now Diana's out there with Jessica. Jessica's on, this is my daughter right here that was on the platform. She was only one year old then. And the Roto-Rooter guy's going, oh my God, oh my God. That's what he was doing. He's just going, oh my God. He don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm telling you now, just for a few minutes, I'm being honest with you. You know, when fear gets on you, man, it changes the whole concept of stuff. Because I'm thinking, I'm going to have to get that gun away from him. Because if I don't, and he hits me, I'm going to hit him back. And... He's, he's kind of guy to take the gun out and shoot all, my, all the, my family and the Roto-Rooter guy and my dog just for fun. He's just demon-possessed. And he's still standing there about this far from me. He, I really see think the angel had his hand. <laughs> so, but before I got to that point, I thought, you know, I'm not too big, but I'm mean if you get me mean. <laughs> you may take me down, but I'm going to hurt you in the process. And I was thinking, I'm going to hit the first blow and get, I'm going to hit him in the head and get that gun away from him because I'm concerned. But knowing what I know about that lady, she may have had two in her pocket. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. And I mean, I really, I mean, if it had been another five or 10 seconds, I hadn't heard from God, I was going to do something because I'm, somebody attacked me and hadn't put a finger on me yet, but 
They're threatening me in my own yard. There stands my wife, my baby, my dog, and the Roto-Rooter guy. He's having a meltdown. This is like shoot out at the OK Corral to him, I guess. I don't know. I didn't have a gun. But I thought, I'm going to hurt him bad and then repent later. That was my thought. I'm just being honest. When fear gets on you, you'll, your mind will take over and do weird stuff. And all of a sudden, down from down here in my belly, not out of my head, but these words trickled up to my thinking. Michael, your angels are here. He's not going to hurt you or anybody else today or any other time concerning you. So I took a step back because he was right up that close so I could point my finger at him. I said, listen, sir, I, you're a poor example of a human being. I don't know what your deal is. I've never done anything to hurt you, aggravate you, or try to get to know you, but you're a mean person. And you're not going to hurt anybody today. And I just walked away. Got, got the Roto-Rooter guy too. I said, come on in. <laughs> I put him on the couch, laid hands on him. He was thankful. He was having a meltdown. See, I'm talking to you about this scripture. I got wholly delivered. Nobody got shot that day. Nobody went to the hospital. But the guy that threatened me, this is, and I never prayed to lick against him. Hey, I'm not praying against people. If people are like that, you don't have to pray if anything against them. They've already screwed up their life. And now I know what I know about prophets. I realize it says, do my prophets no harm. <laughs> so when people start fooling with prophets, they don't have to pray against them. Just let them go on and self-destruct. And if he'd have said, listen, I'm sorry, I said, well, let's pray. That would have been my response right then because I could have switched gears. But he so intimidated me by his rhetoric and his filthy mouth and his violent attitude. I thought, if I don't do something, man, he's liable to kill all of us. You know, stuff you could watch the news, stuff like that every day with neighbors. And he knew where that drain was because he put the drain in himself. He used to live in that dump. He moved, moved. But let me tell you what happened to him. He got cancer on his nose. His wife left him and he lost all of his money. I didn't pray a lick against him. All right. Are you okay with everything? <laughs> You'll never forget the Roto-Rooter guy. <laughs> He's a sweet guy. I said, I'm sorry. I had such dramatic time today. Hallelujah. Now let me talk to you for just a minute. I've already went 43 minutes, so I'm over the line, sweet Jesus. Let me talk to you about angels and churches. So let's go over here quick to the book of Revelation. I, I enjoyed the Bible and I enjoy learning things from the Bible, don't you? So right here he says in verse, well, there's just references. There's seven different churches, but it's always the same rhetoric he uses like in Revelation 2 verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. So and let me tell you something I've heard I mean I won't mention his name because he's very popular and wrote some good books and been in the Lord maybe longer than I have but he got up and taught this in a church that I was in for a special meeting and he said the angel there referred to the pastors but see I had to take Greek in seminary I didn't want to but they made me and you could go to any concordance and look up this word it's angelos in the Greek it means an angel the word for pastors poimen it's a totally different word he just didn't know what he's talking about Dr. Frain after the meeting when the other guy left he said did you believe what he said I said not at all 
I've already studied that. He said, well, study it again and talk to me more. I said, I will. No, the angels are assigned to churches. To help the churches, to help churches grow, to help churches bring people. Now, they can't witness to people. They can encourage people. See, like people go up and down this road and they never paid attention to my sign out there. One day they go by and they say, hey, look at that sign, honey, at Church on the Rock. I don't know what that is. Maybe we ought to call somebody and ask them. I know one couple called Brother Copeland's ministry and they gave us a good report and they showed up here and they're still members. So the pastor has to have authority because he's got an angel assigned to his church. Not to him, but to his church. He's got personal angels assigned to him because he's a man in the planet. You know, you have to be born here to be a male or female. You know that, right? Okay. There's a race of man. So every time, there's seven different times this is repeated. Same thing. Same word. I've looked it up in the Greek New Testament. And I don't know how you get pastors out of the word angel. It's two different words entirely. Spelled different, pronounced different. But that's what he's saying. Let me show you something else I found in studying this once. Go to Acts 7. Are you okay with me? I wasn't trying to lie to you by making this short, but I got to get something in you before I leave about this. Go to Acts 7 and verse 30. uh, Well, 37 and 38. We'll look at that a minute here. Acts 7, 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God Um, raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, like Moses, him shall you hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel. So even back in the church in the wilderness when Moses was a pastor, you know, they had a church out there, a tabernacle. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And God had an angel for them. Are you listening to me? I'm not making this up. There are several other scriptures. I don't have time right now. Then I want to show you one more thing, though, because angels are assigned to churches. Let me give you one other thing here about ministers. Go to 1 Timothy 5 with me. It took me a long time to figure this one out because somewhere or another, I just couldn't find the right um, books that told me this, but I eventually broke the code, <laughs> I guess, and figured something out because, you know, when I got ordained, I got ordained in a Baptist church because that's all I knew. But I mean, there's some, there some people that came to see me ordained that are bikers. And they're bawling like little babies. And my father-in-law has a PhD in metallurgy. He's a brainiac, you know, kind of guy. He's just really smart. And he was just crying too. And I was crying at my ordination. Some of the drug addict people that I knew came to watch me get ordained. We were all crying. I didn't know this then, but I found it since then. And I see something here. So if you're in ministry and you get ordained, really ordination for man is okay. It's just saying that you you can see that God called that person and was anointing them to be in an office. How many understand that? You can't anoint yourself. So here it says, look at uh, 1 Timothy 5, verse 21 uh, and 22. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. He's talking about an ordination service where somebody would lay hands on them, pronounce the blessing, 
for your God's ordaining you at that moment. You find, you understand what I'm saying? But I read this and read this and read this. God's the father. And he would, he called me to ministry. Of course, I told you, I kind of argued with him. I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck, but I thought, father, I can't even talk. You know, I, I'm not, I've never been smart. I just made every excuse he could think of. And I felt really like I was like that. Never felt smart my whole life. I just try to be humble and walk with God and learn something about him. He makes me look good sometimes. I think he does. And, but this thing, the elect angels, that kept running through me on an ordination service. And then that dawned on me, because I know this about angels, when they show up, there's a sense of reverence in wherever they show up. Even if you can't see them, something comes over you. And you feel like maybe God's here or something. You know, it's just that kind of anointing on them. And they vary in their anointing. Some of them are stronger than others. And we see that in Daniel, book of Daniel, remember? He said, I tried to break through, but so-and-so withstood me. So Michael came. He's a bad motor scooter, Michael. <laughs> and he broke through that thing and got that angel to him. Anyway, so some of them are stronger than others. But I looked and looked and looked, and this is what I finally came up with in the Greek. It means that God has, listen, God calls you and Jesus endorses it as the head of the church if you're really called because he'd have to. He's accepting you as a, a Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or a couple of them maybe. How many understand what I'm saying? But he's got elect angels in that ordination service. And I knew when angels come, a lot of times people get cry. They start weeping because the presence of God's on them to some level. But here's what it means. It says in the Greek, they're excellent, where it says elect. They're excellent. They're chosen by God. And they're selected for you by God to work with you. Now, I didn't know what I know now back then, but I just, I remember the people that were in that ordination service, almost everybody was crying, including me. And there was a sense of reverence in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, when I saw some of those biker buddies I had, you know, I wasn't a biker, but they, they were Hell's Angels and Dayton Outlaws, one of each. And uh, they lived with us for a couple of years. And they were just weaving like little kids. And there's some bad people. I mean, you know, in their, in their natural habitat, they did some terrible things. Because one of them was close to me and we talked about it and stuff. I wasn't saved either. You know what I mean? We're both heathens. Yeah. But I, I, and so that's what I'm trying to say to you preachers. There was, there's angels involved in your ordination, whether you saw them or didn't see them. And you're responsible to help them. And they're responsible to help you in your ministry. I got, a lot, I got a lot of angels that work with me now. And I used to say kiddingly to people, if you don't use yours, I'm calling down to the unemployment office and getting them. Because I know what to do to get them to put them to work. And then 208, I got eight. And then, uh, then dad went home. And Pastor Nancy was praying. I don't know what year that was, a year or two after. And she was up with Pastor Everly. And somebody sent me the CD. And she said she was with God that day. And she said, well, Lord, what about those angels? I know they didn't go back to heaven because I've taught out at her church. You know, she asked me to come, Pastor Nancy, not doctor. But doctor postponed his meetings to be in, in the meeting with me, which I was thrilled about. That was in 2011. So she said to the Lord, what about those hundred healing angels he had? What's, where were they at? He, they, he, she, he said, they're still on the earth and I'm going to give you 50 of them. And I'm giving the other 50 to some of his sons. And she mentioned three men. I was one of them. 
Now I asked the Lord, how many is that? And he didn't respond, so it doesn't matter. So, or he could talk to me again about it. I don't, but I know I got some of those angels that were with him. What kind of angels were they? Healing, Healing angels. Angels have all different kinds of assignments. That one that happened when the guy had the weapon, you know, I had a protective angel. Maybe my guardian angel was there. It's a long time back, 1978. But nonetheless, I didn't get hurt, neither did my family, and I was so thrilled that God protected me. Protected me a lot, even when I was a drug addict. But not because of me, I wasn't praying to him, but my mother was praying for me. She knew I was getting pretty rough and, you know, carrying a gun and acting crazy and getting pulled over by the police and just all kinds of stuff. None of it's edifying, I'm not going to tell you, but just not living right. But I thought about this. God cares so much about it. He's got all kinds of assignments for these angels to help us. And really, the Word of God, let me go to Daniel 10 with me and I'll stop. I'm gonna, i got to stop. You don't have to tell me to stop, but I'm going to stop. I know I'm gone a long time. Thank you. I'm trying to help everybody I can. There is a, a scripture I want you to write down, whether you're a pastor or not. Uh, Matthew 24, 31 tells us the angels help gather people. It's in a future tense setting. They're going to gather all the saints. But if they gather them then, they could gather people here at this moment. And then Isaiah 43, 5 and 6, it says you should talk to the north, the south, and the east, and the west. And because there's sons and daughters out there that need to come into contact with you. Do you follow me? So God could speak to them, this is your pastor or this is your spiritual father. And then you could get trained and grow up under him or her. Could be a female too. Just a gender change, uh, gender change, that's all. He doesn't check your gender for you, don't you? And if you know me, like Pastor, uh, pastor here, <laughs> Pastor Rogan, he said, you've always promoted women, doctor. I said, I sure have. I've ordained probably 30 of them. And I got a lesson I'm going to teach at... at uh, down there at Pastor Randy's with Misty, I'm going to ordain her in uh, February, right? Latter part of February on a Sunday night. You might come down and be with us if you want. I got a whole message about women in ministry. Yeah, one of my men in this church, I won't mention his name. He's not here anymore. He got in a foyer with me and he said, I don't believe in women preachers. I said, why are you telling me that? Well, you're the pastor. I said, okay, let me, let me ask you a real simple question. If you had leukemia... And I had a woman in here preaching and she said, who has it here that's got leukemia? I'm anointed to heal you. You'd rather sit there and die than go let her pray for you? Yeah. I said, you don't belong in my church. Just, just keep on moving. And I liked him. He was a nice man, but he was goofy in that area. I didn't know he was goofy. I said, you just disgraced half the body of Christ because half of them are women. Maybe two thirds. You know, I feel sorry for those women that's got mean old husbands that won't do anything spiritual. Like Pastor Keith was teaching, want to watch football all day or I don't know, whatever it is people are getting to. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for the angels tonight. We thank you that you've given them charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. And we are, we are serious and we want to walk closely with you. And we want to obey you and we're going to obey you and we're going to learn to talk right. Because you said that we should say, you know, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress and you are my God and I will trust in you. 
So that's where our faith is at. You're our refuge and our hope and our, our stability. And we thank you for the angels that escort us. We don't see them all the time, but they're there nonetheless. And they're skilled at what they do. They know how to protect us in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I know of a person that, a police officer that he, had, he was married, but they, it was always fighting. Always fighting with each other, you know, verbally. And, and well, aggravating each other. And they were warned, I think, by, I don't know if it's Pastor Nancy or not, maybe Dr. Dufresne about it, said, you better stop that. He's a police officer. He went to work one day, and he saw a guy walking on the street, and he put up his computer, and it was the felon that they were looking for. So he jumped out of the car and ran after him. The guy turned around and shot him five times in the chest, killed him. He was in a good church. A word church. But like I told you, you don't know a word person just because you go to a certain church. <laughs> we got to pay attention to this. I'm not, I'm not trying to be intense. I'm trying to warn you. And you could get, if you don't have a copy of my book, go buy one. It's not everything I know, but it'll help you get started. You got to speak the word. You know, Daniel 10, it says, the angel stood before him and said, I'm here because of your words. I mean, that's pretty clear uh, talking. Yeah. I'm here because of your words, Michael. Or your words, Pastor Angie. I'd be doing your work with your words. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.